chapter of Peter's first letter to believers who had to flee their homes in Israel, Judea, and resettle in northern Turkey, in the region of the world there. Suffering, going through hard times, this letter was written to encourage them. And he tells them, Beloved, do not think it strange. Don't think it weird. Don't be shocked by it. Concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange, the word there, strange, is actually the Greek word xenos, where we get the word xenophobia, the fear of foreigners. It means a foreign or an alien thing, as though something happened to you that shouldn't have happened. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. The word there, partake, is a well-known Greek word, koinonia, which means to fellowship, to have intimacy with Christ's sufferings, so that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you've ever gone without food for a long time, and then you go and have a meal, how delicious is that food, Right? If you've ever been poor and then a big blessing comes your way, how much do you appreciate that? So it is with sorrow, tough times. When you go through it, when the blessing comes, the the happiest people in heaven are going to be the people that have had the toughest time here on earth. They're going to have an appreciation for it, right? More than uh, others of us. If If you are reproached for the name of Christ, verse 14, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you on their part he is blasphemed but on your part he is glorified reminded of the first time the disciples in the book of Acts were beaten they rejoiced because they were counted worthy to suffer shame for the name that's above every name verse 15 but let none of you let's say nobody Let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Don't be sticking your nose in other people's business. The world is full of armchair quarterbacks who don't know what they're talking about. And the Lord knows um, we need to guard our hearts and be careful with our opinions because we could be embarrassed or we could even suffer as a result of them. Um, it's so easy to cut and paste something that's not true. So don't be a busybody in other people's matters. Don't put your nose where it doesn't belong. Proverbs 26:17 says, He who messes with strife, not his own, is like one who grabs a dog by the ears. You know, there's a famous picture of LBJ picking up a hound dog by the ears. I don't know how he got away with it. Anytime I've ever tried it, man, you're going to get bit. If we suffer, we want to suffer as believers. Verse 16, if anyone suffers as a Christian, which was a term that was not a compliment at at the time, it was equivalent to being called an atheist because you didn't go along with Roman mythology and believed in all their many gods, you were considered an atheist, someone to be disdained, someone not to be respected. So if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. You know, go ahead and embrace the insult. For the time has come, the kairos, the season has come, 
for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? The Good News Translation says, if it is difficult for good people to be saved, what will become of godless sinners? The Message Bible reads, if good people barely make it, what's in store for the bad? The New Century Version says, the wicked and the sinner will surely be lost. Therefore, verse 19, let those who suffer according to the will of God. Can we say God's will? Let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls, that is, their breath, their life, their whole selves, their minds, to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. Reminds me of Jesus suffering on the cross, praying for those that are persecuting him and committing his spirit into God's hands. He went through that, giving his life totally to the will of his Father. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that you'd speak to us today from your word. Help us to look at this text and glean the word you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. We've been going through a series, walking through slowly, it's like week number 15 or 16, that Peter's first letter to the saints that were scattered in northern Turkey, and gleaning from it what God would say to us. And we've called the series Strengthening Truth for Stormy Times. We've looked at things like we have a living hope. That's, that's a strengthening truth, right? Our hope is alive. We have great reasons to rejoice. We have minds. Let's use them. We are redeemed by precious blood. We sang about that today. We've been born again of incorruptible seed. We have the benefits of God's eternal word. We've been chosen to believe and obey. We are called to honor and be honorable. We will be rewarded for suffering unjustly. We are called to live in unity. We must be ready to answer everyone who asks us about our hope. We must overcome hardship righteously. We have needed confidence when our conscience is clear. We can benefit from suffering. Today, subject may not seem like a strengthening truth. We're speaking to you today on the subject, we are going to have troubles. Can we say that? Pastor, how in the world is that a strengthening truth for stormy times? How in the world is that going to encourage me? How is that going to make me strong when I go through tough times? Well, three reasons. Number one, it's true. The sooner we believe the truth, the better off we are and the stronger we are. If your faith is aligned with something that's not true, it's not going to hold up. It's true. Number two, this truth will protect you from being disillusioned. When we are disillusioned, our ears, our minds are open to believing all kinds of lies that come our way. The enemy has an open door. And number three, this truth prepares us for battle. We will have troubles. Now, some people don't like this. They try to deny it. They try to confess it away. I'm going to confess the truth of the Word of God. Well, this is the Word of God too. 
The word confess means to say the same thing as. And if we do not say the same thing as God says at every point in the word of God, then we're approaching the New Testament like we do at the cafeteria. I'll have the ground round, don't want the liver. I'll have the healing and prosperity, don't want the hard times and endurance. I love the marriage vows because they tell the truth. Some people try to expunge them and and decipher them, but we keep going back to the original vows. And there was, I, I pledge to be true to you in sickness and in health, in prosperity and adversity, in good times and hard times. And I've added the words when I feel like it and when I don't. In spite of what Hollywood does, I'm committed to loving you through every season. If I expect everything to be hunky-dory, we're going to be deceived. We have a, a marriage class here. I'm not, this is not a commercial. This is an illustration. Sometimes my illustrations cross the line and become commercials. But we have a marriage class here on um, Wednesday nights, and I have the privilege of leading it, and it's with uh, a video series by Gary and Barb Rosberg from Michigan. And uh, it's been really good during the discussion times because the, the group is a mix, about 15 to 17 people, depending on the Wednesday night. The group is a good mix of young couples. Some aren't married yet, and some have been married for years. And it's been an eye-opener for the young couples. Oh, oh my goodness. We're not the only ones. (laughs) You know, the thought of marrying the wrong person never occurred to Adam. But now that there's millions of us, the enemy uses that against us. Why is it strengthening to understand the truth and believe it that we are going to have troubles? This is a psychologist, I don't think he's a believer, named Daniel Gilbert. He's a psychology professor at Harvard. And based on his research from what's called the Gallup Healthways Wellbeing Index, he has this to say. He says that Americans are smiling less and worrying more than they were a year ago. Happiness is down and sadness is up. Depression is on the rise. In my research, I discovered a few years ago there were 80 books written that year on how to be happy, and the most recent count was like there was a couple thousand books written on how to be happy in 2014 or 2015, something like that. Depression's on the rise. Gilbert goes on to state that the real problem is not financial. It's not the economy, stupid. It's something else. People are unhappy because of uncertainty. People don't know what's going to happen. What's ahead in the future for me, they ask. Gilbert points to an experiment conducted in the Netherlands where Dutch subjects were told they would be intensely shocked. They brought in these people these lab subjects, into a laboratory and told them, you're going to be intensely shocked during this period of time 20 times. I don't know how long it was. Let's say during the next hour, you're going to be intensely shocked, going to be very uncomfortable 20 times. They then researched their heart rates and, and their nervous condition during all that time of the shocks. Then they brought in a second group and told them that they would receive strong three intense shocks, and 17 mild shocks. 
and they did, then they did measurements on their physical condition during the test. Because they didn't know when the intense shocks would come, the subjects in the second group were the most nervous. They sweated more, experienced faster heart rates. Gilbert goes on to say that uncertainty causes discomfort. And these subjects didn't know when the intense shocks would come. Another study showed that colostomy patients who knew that their colostomies were permanent were happier six months after their procedures than those who were told they might have a chance of reversing their colostomies. Uncertainty caused the unhappiness. He summarizes, an uncertain future leaves us stranded in an unhappy present with nothing to do but wait. Our national gloom is real enough. It isn't a matter of insufficient funds. It's a matter of insufficient certainty. I don't know about you, but in this day, especially in this season, election year, I want my certainty to come from the Word of God. And according to Scriptures, we are going to have hard time. Jesus said, in the world you will have tribulation. We're going to have troubles. Can I get an amen? amen. Had the privilege of having lunch with this pastor uh, uh, three weeks ago with Dale Kennedy and Sonny Knatzer at Cracker Barrel there in South Fort Worth, Benbrook area. How many would like to go to Cracker Barrel right now? See pastors in Assembly of God congregation in Karachi, Pakistan. Talk about a hostile environment. But this guy is full of joy. He wasn't looking for a green card. He didn't even ask for money. He was just wanting to make friends. He told us some interesting stories, one I would like to share with you. One day while at his church, an Assembly of God church in Karachi, Pakistan, they were approached by a gang of men who wanted to burn it down. He says, hello, may I help you? What's, what's going on? They said, we're here to burn your church down. Well, can we talk first? Come inside. I will give you Pepsis. So he gave them ice-cold Pepsis in glass bottles the way it should be drunk. And I get it, amen. And when they were done and they visited a while and they began to get restless, he said, now, why are you here? They said, we've come to burn your church down. Oh, it's not my church. Whose is it? Belongs to God. You want to burn down God's house? It's between you and God. I'm getting out of the way. I'm going to go home. So he left them in his church. Came back the next day. The church was still there. The gang of men were gone. Living under pressure like that, you would think that he would be unhappy, right? He lives with the certainty that tough times do happen. Happens all the time. I became a believer 10 years ago. I heard about Christ when I was on business trip. After that, my entire family came to Christ. But we are not free to share our faith with others. If you are spreading the gospel, Chinese government treats you as a criminal. They want to control the number of Christians. Last week, a good friend of mine was taken by the Chinese police. He was questioned and then beaten so bad that he almost died. All because of spreading the gospel. In the city, everywhere you look, there are apartments. Since we can't meet in public, our ministry takes place in the buildings we live in.
In the evenings, brothers and sisters in Christ gather together in homes. This is our church. Every week, we see new people come to Christ. Only two weeks ago, an amazing thing happened. We discovered there was another home church meeting at the top of this very same building. In our own building, God had brought up another fellowship. That really humbled us. In the midst of all the darkness, all the persecution, the Holy Spirit is moving. He continues to prepare the hearts of people in China. Every day, I have the opportunity to share the love of Jesus Christ, even if it means I could go to prison. We're going to have troubles. Someone may be thinking, Pastor, are you pre-trib or post-trib? Well, the word pre-trib is really a misnomer. If you believe pre-trib, you actually believe in pre-great tribulation. Don't tell the saints in Sudan, China, or Pakistan that the Lord's going to come back before we have any tribulation. It's pre-great tribulation. And whether the Lord's going to come pre-great tribulation or post-great tribulation, I don't know. I'm pan-tribulation. It's all going to pan out. I believe in the pre-wrath. I believe in the pre-wrath rescue. Because God doesn't pour out His wrath on His children. And when this place melts with a fervent heat, all the elements of the earth shall melt with a fervent heat, we'll be gone for sure. We're going to have troubles. Eight truths about trouble that we should be about. Trouble should be anticipated. They just should be. You don't have to believe for them. You don't have to claim them. You don't have to exercise your faith. It's going to happen. Just anticipate it. You know, if you don't have any money in savings, that's not good. You don't have a credit card that's not paid off, by all means, get one paid off. It's anticipate needs before they come. In our text, Peter begins, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. I googled the word trouble and found this picture. Perfect illustration of trouble. How many's ever been there? Trouble should be expected. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is as though some strange thing happened to you. Oh, why me? (laughs) Why not you? It always happens to me. You know that's an exaggeration. It may happen more often than not, though, if if you don't maintain your vehicles, things like that. Jesus said, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. John 16, in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. 
we are in a relationship with, live under the lordship of, and are following the leadership of Jesus, the world overcomer. I don't know how it's going to end, but I know it's not over. It ain't over till it's over. And until he says it's over, we're going through stuff. You may have a mess, but trust me, there's a message coming. First the conflict, then the resolution. All the great stories have that, right? If your life was made into a movie, you know it would be boring unless you had troubles. Some people want such an easy life, their movie, their movie would not even make it to the C rating. Troubles should be rejoiced in. Verse 13, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. James, the brother of Jesus, told it to count it all joy when you fall into various trials because the trial of your faith produces patience. Oh, don't pray for patience. Um, if you need it, you better pray for it. Who would pray for patience anyway unless they didn't need it? You don't just wake up in the morning having a great day. I believe we're gonna, I'm going to pray for some patience. No, you can be patient all day long when things are going great. So that's funny, that's funny Americanized theology anyway. Here's a church practicing patience, rejoicing in the Lord, Cornerstone Church, pastored by Dick Metz in Baker, Louisiana, the part of Baker called Central. Look what they faced one Sunday morning a few weeks ago. They couldn't make it to church. 120 families in this congregation, 40 of those families lost their homes. The congregation is stepping up to the plate. They are in a great trial. You don't hear about the Louisiana flood on the news anymore because they always go on to the next thing, you know, the next disaster. There's so many of them. They're still recovering. Alan Ginchel was in the church service this morning. Uh, he just got back from spending two weeks there. And he's, he's believing God to help him to motivate 100 people to just take off and go and give a week to it. He's got phone numbers, connections, places to stay. If you're interested in something like that, talk to him. Trouble should be viewed properly. Sometimes the way we look at things makes all the difference in the world. Rather than asking why, we should be asking how. Verse 13 ends with that when his glory is revealed, you may rejoice with exceeding joy. Viewing things from the eternal perspective, this thing's not going to last forever. I'm going to outlive my problems because I have eternal life in the Lord Jesus Christ. Eternity minus 10,000 years equals eternity. This is temporary. I am permanent. And I'm going to overcome Trouble should be undeserved. Well, I don't deserve this. Well, do you want to deserve it? That's the kind you don't want. If you're reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed. On your part, he is glorified because you don't deserve it. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, as a busybody in other people's matters. I quoted this earlier, Proverbs 26, 17. Interfering in someone else's argument is as foolish as yanking a dog's ears. You're going to get bit. That's why you never need to take up someone else's offense. They may whine to you and vent to you and use you as a sounding board, but you better guard your heart. And if you can't do it, 
You find yourself, you're going to take up an offense, you have to shut them off. Say, I'm sorry, I can't take no more. Well, they'll talk bad about me to somebody else. Well, then there's probably the problem. So by all means, guard your heart. Out of it flow the issues of life. You'll get burned. They'll be walking in forgiveness and you'll be stuck because nobody knows to come to you and ask for forgiveness. Troubles should be unwasted. Don't waste your sorrows. If anyone suffers as a Christian, verse 16, let them not be ashamed, but let them glorify God in this matter. This is an opportunity to pray. This is an opportunity to trust God, to cast all your cares upon him. This is an opportunity to grow, have your values changed. That congregation in Baker, Pastor Metz told me, will never be the same. He said the petty things people used to whine about, you know, who set the air on 74? They won't do it anymore. That stuff's meaningless. He says, I'm praying, Lord, give us as much mileage out of this as you can get. And may we never forget the ground we've gained on the road to maturity. Who knows, we've been predestined to be made like Christ. God will use everything to that end. And finally, trouble should be motivating. Motivate us to pray. Motivate us to grow. Let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls, their lives to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. That's the text. But I had to go somewhere else in the New Testament because I just couldn't leave it alone. This is my favorite one that trouble should be, and that is trouble should be stopped. Can I get an amen? It ought to be stopped, and we have a brighter day to look forward to. Revelation 21.4, God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face, there to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice, home at last, free at last, ever to rejoice. We're going to have troubles. And the day will come when we will sing on the back side of our troubles. But we can sing on this side. We can sing songs like, It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of his dear face, all sorrow will erase. So bravely run the race till we see Christ. I thought about ending on that note and kind of lamenting a little bit about the struggles we're going through. And there is a place for lamenting. God knows that's the truth. And the place of honesty in our struggles, the Lord meets us with revelation of truth that changes a view on everything. But I wanted to end kind of at a warfare point, but kind of... Kind of not real spiritual, too, but the truth. If trouble could talk, being temporary as it is, what would trouble say? Think about it. Here you are experiencing troubles at the hand of trouble if trouble was a person. How would trouble feel dealing with you and me? 
Hello, my name is Trouble. I got troubles of my own. The fevers are making me grumble. Their endurance is making me grow. The holy people of the Holy Bible believe all things work out for good. Their threats of death, they call the matrix ain't working out like they should. I got troubles. Trouble's got the blues. When I knock them down, they won't stay down. They're learning to persevere. My success is becoming elusive. My defeat's becoming severe. Through prayer, they're even stronger. By faith, they're able to stand. Through faith, they're persistent longer. Sometimes I wonder who I am. I got trouble. Trouble's got the blue. Go get him, Tyler. 